What's up, family? This is the Just Breathe podcast, and I am April Love, personal brand success coach, entrepreneur, and now your new best friend. Just Breathe is all about all things you, taking your personal life to the next level. I know that it's sometimes hard to even catch your breath on a day-to-day basis, but we're going to inhale, exhale, and just breathe. Today's episode is very special because I As I said at the beginning of this new season, I'm going to really, really um, curate amazing content for you guys. Things that I want to know, people I want to talk to. Um, I know you do too, because we see so many people on social media platforms that are doing their thing. They're really building um, a legacy for themselves and their family. But then on the same note, we scroll and we see how devastated the world is right now. How chaotic, you know, everything from like, the pandemic to wars in Gaza. It's just so much going on, but there's still time for you to be you and for you to still have the life you want to live on purpose outside of everything that's going on around. So I have a guest today that is doing just that. And I'm so excited to share him with you guys. He's a personal (laughs) friend, actually. And I would like to read a little bit of his bio, even though I'm going to let him share, but his bio is so succinct and Juicy. I just wanted to share a little bit. So he's a well-known professional barber with almost 30, um, 30 years in the game? 30. You started in pre-K? Pretty much. <laughs> His incredible footprint in entrepreneurship has made him a guiding light. Having owned and successfully scaled a myriad of businesses, Sam now leads Provado Consulting, a full-service entrepreneurial support incubator fostering organization and growth for organic startups. Ooh, we're going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and understand the adversities in launching and mobilizing businesses, Glickman and his team of educators and experts provide customized strategy and positioning for maintaining sustainable models that pr- promote and maintain success. So you guys, give him a just breathe welcome and welcome my friend Sam Glickman to the stage. Man, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Right, right. Welcome. (laughs) I feel honored. I'm honored to have you because I know how busy you are. So for you to find this time, I'm extremely grateful. So Sam, so let's get into this. Um, Tell the people, I know you, but tell my audience, who is Samuel Glickman? Yeah, well, um, born and raised in Los Angeles, Pasadena to be more specific. Um, I moved to Atlanta in 1999. Um, by way of the Freaknik in 1994. So many people that's what exposed. <laughs> so that's what exposed people. me to Atlanta originally. Right. And uh, it took me about five years to get here because I inherited my first barbershop at 18. And um, so I didn't want to be disrespectful and just mm-hmm. move. So it took me about five years. Right. And I finally got here in 99. It's been great. I moved out here with uh, a wife that was pregnant with two kids and one on the way. What? Yeah. At that age? At, oh, you started age. early. I okay. I had maybe $10,000 and a, a big dream. And I came out here and partnered up with a guy. Mm-hmm. We opened up a barbershop in Stockbridge. Okay. Killed it. I think it was like the first black barbershop down there at that time. And uh, yeah, I mean, here we are. Fast forward, you know, uh, I've kind of been there and done it for the most part. Right. I've... Uh, you know, when it comes to businesses, I've definitely have explored and failed and won and failed again and won again. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so. So tell us about that. Okay, so you had success, you moved here, you up, so you just up and moved here, like with your wife. 
Like, yep. what was that like? Because I know a lot of people are in the process of figuring all that out now. Now that we've been back outside for what, like, a couple years or whatever. <laughs> a lot of people, there are a lot. There's a lot of transitioning. Back outside, we were always outside. Outside, I know, right? <laughs> Seriously, outside, mask on, mask off. But it seems like it was just like so long ago, and it was just what a couple years ago now. Mm -hmm. Even though people are still, you know, some people are still in the midst of it, um, in their mind. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but what, um. What gave you the courage to just, especially that young, mm -hmm. responsible for a wife and a family to just say, I'm just going to up and go to this city that, you know. You, you know, um, so I was a part of a church. Okay. And the pastor of that particular church was actually coming back and forth to Atlanta. Huh? So I made a few trips down here with the pastor. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and then the pastor up out of the blue was like, yeah, God has called me to Atlanta. So then the pastor moved down here and started a church. I felt like that was the sign to me that the timing was right because mm -hmm. uh, I was in love with the church at that time. Okay. And so I moved down here. Me, my wife, it was about it was about six of us. Okay. A few friends mm -hmm. that were in the church as well. And we all came down here. And uh, that was the excuse to get down here at that time. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but Courage-wise, I always felt like when I came down here in 94, I felt like Atlanta culturally was a fit for me. Mm. You know, L.A. was uh, was Hollywood at the time, but culturally, uh, especially when we're talking about entrepreneurial black success, yeah. Atlanta was a fit. You know, and I've always been exposed to black leaders, black entrepreneurship, black success. Okay. Of course, by way of my mother um, exposed me at such a young age. I'm not sure if you know, my mother was the first African-American female mayor of a major city. No. She was the mayor of Pasadena in oh, okay. 80, 81, 82, and 83. Yeah, and then went on to be the city manager of Pasadena and then later to be the city manager of Los Angeles. Oh, oh really? And, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and so I've, I've, I've been exposed to a lot of black success all my life. So when I came here in 94, Atlanta was just really like the perfect fit culturally. Mm -hmm. um, so really... Moving here in '99, it was it was a five year plan for me. Okay. Like, oh, you had a plan. Yeah, I had a plan. Okay. In '94, I made up my mind. I, okay. I was moving to Atlanta. Okay. Uh, the confirmation was when the pastor said that she was moving to Atlanta, and then I said, "Okay, it's time." And uh, and so yeah, I jumped on the road with my wife at the time, um, two kids, pregnant with a third. I think I was twenty two, turning twenty three, something what? like that. Maybe twenty. Yeah. I was young. Yeah. Super young. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Super That's a young. lot of responsibility yeah. for someone that age. So Come out here with no clients, you know, like, yeah, starting from scratch. It out. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. do, okay. So I heard you say something that um, caught my attention. You said your pastor said she was called mm -hmm. to Atlanta and basically you also relocated mm -hmm. with your pastor. Do you feel like you were called as well? Do you feel like for sure? And what are your and what is your what is your take on a calling? Like, what does that actually mean to you? Um, purpose. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, purpose. So yeah, for sure. When when I said it was confirmation, mm -hmm. I knew for a fact that I can be successful here, right? Um, when she decided to, that she was moving here, I wasn't so much concerned about her calling. Yeah. As I was more concerned about the confirmation and the direction at that mm -hmm. time, and so. Uh, back then, I was on a real spiritual trail. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I felt like God was speaking to me. Mm -hmm. And uh, matter of fact, when I moved down here, the second confirmation was Del Bronner. 
Oh, okay. Um, so, of course, I moved to Stockbridge. Dale Brown at the time was living in Lake Spivey. Mm. And they had just opened up an old Charlie's restaurant in Atlanta in Stockbridge. I think that was the first location. And Dale Bronner was in there eating <laughs> with uh, his nephew, Roland Render, who I had a relationship with. Okay. And Roland introduced me to him. And I hadn't even worked in the barbershop. My first day was going to be that following Tuesday. Uh, this was on a Sunday that I met him in Old Charlie's. And I went to the bathroom. Dale Bronner followed me in the bathroom. I was like, oh, what, what's going ah! on? <laughs> Wait a minute, Atlanta. No, Yeah. <laughs> And uh, but no, he he came in there and said, "Young man, I want to support you." And uh, awesome. Roland told me, "You just moved down here and you're just getting started. Mm -hmm. I need you to take care of me. Can you take care of me?" He was my very first client in Atlanta, what? so that was the second confirmation. Yeah, uh, because at the time, of course, Bronner Brothers was like, you know, in our culture, it was the biggest deal when it comes to hair. Yeah, right. You know, Absolutely. And, uh, and yeah, so. That was the second confirmation. It didn't take me long. It was about six months. Built the clientele. And uh, I've been killing it ever since. All know? right, killing it. <laughs> All right. So Atlanta's been good to you. Atlanta's been good to me. Okay. So I, I'm going to just venture to say that when you accepted that calling, that obedience opened up opportunities for you in this city. Absolutely. Do you feel if you hadn't answered it and stayed in California a little bit longer... Um, what do you think that would have resulted in? Um, I mean, to be honest with you, I have no clue. I ask myself that all the time. <laughs> what if I go back home? Mm -hmm. I'm the only one here. Oh, so my so whole family's family, still there. Yeah, I'm. A, I have eight other siblings. There's nine of us. Wow. Yeah, and uh, I'm the only one here. Nine. I go out there to visit my father. My father lives in San Diego now. Okay. And um, I go out there all the time, and 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 I miss it. Uh, and so the question always arises, what would have happened had I stayed? Um, mm -hmm. The reality is, is I don't think I would have been as, as successful. Mm -hmm. um, Dale Bronner being my very first client when right. I moved to Atlanta, it was Dale Bronner that turned me on to Bishop Eddie Long. Right. From Bishop Eddie Long, I started doing Byron Cage and then mm. Byron Cage. And then I started doing Dewey Smith, from Dewey Smith to mm. Isaac Carey, from Isaac Carey to Kirk Franklin. Oh, you all have been gospel. Led to, <laughs> yeah, it was like, I was like the, the church preacher. And then Chris Tucker became my client, mm. then Usher, of course. Um, and then, you know, it was just like everything was like a, a trickle down effect. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I knew for a fact that Atlanta was 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 ordained for me. Right. Um, and I don't think I would have had that success being mm -hmm. in L.A. at all. Yeah. Yeah. I tend to agree. Um, Maybe if I was Mexican. Ah, uh, yeah. I could do it. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. Not even being racial. I grew up, my, some of my best friends are Mexican, but yeah, you LA, L.A. is like Mexicans are killing it in L.A. Yeah. You know, Salvadorians, mm -hmm. Eritreans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not me. I think no. black, black culture here in Atlanta. <laughs> you probably would have been, you probably have done well, but but not what yeah, you, you know what I'm saying? Here, yeah. I'm so, I'm so intentional with the fact that, you know, understanding and hearing that call, like people, you know, and it's a still small voice. It's not all loud, like all the other rowdy voices. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it, you know, you have to be very, very in tuned um, in sync with yourself and what you need and what, you know, what's going on around you. Because I feel like, and I, and I can bear witness to this, when you, when you stay in a place or a situation or a job or a relationship longer than you're supposed to, um, although you, you can still, you know, we, we have free will. 
gift and a curse. But sometimes we find ourselves suffering unnecessarily. You know, mm. like the wall starts closing in on you. Some things become irreconcilable when it could have, you know, had you had early detection in some of these situations. You're like, okay, this this city is no longer good for me. This job is no longer good for me. Mm -hmm. um, this marriage is, you know. But when we don't obey, when we don't listen to that calling, I think it has detrimental effects to yeah. our lives. Yeah. But even when you do obey. Yeah. Oh, it, yeah. Because it hasn't even been, it hasn't been peaches and cream. No, absolutely not. You know, mm -hmm. um, that wife that I told you about that I moved down here with. Yeah, with was, three kids. With, well, she was pregnant with the third. Okay. Right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, we got married so young. Yeah. And I don't think we really had an identity at the time. And, you know, one of the tough things about getting married so young and then having kids immediately is that you become parents. And it's like the whole parental mm -hmm. aspect of the relationship takes over. Yeah. And you're not mature enough at that age to know that you're supposed to be balancing it out, you know? Yeah. Um, so that lasted about 10 years. Um, oh, that's a long time though. On paper. On paper. <laughs> yeah. Maybe eight years physically, you know? Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. But, you know, to this day, uh, I would say I'm still finding myself. Man, mm -hmm. we ever evolve, right? Oh, forever right? evolving. So the person like, I was then- Is totally not who you are. You know, now. the minute I moved to Atlanta, I was a different person, mm. right? A year later, after servicing a few clients, I became a different person. Right. You know, the clothes I used to like, I didn't like those clothes. Matter of fact, of recent, I just threw away all my clothes. I don't like anything I used to have. Like, really? Nothing. So I you're have in a another transition. Closet. I'm in another transition right wow, now. Wow, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, in a couple words, who who was Sam then and who is Sam now? Sam then mm -hmm. um, is very similar to Sam now with the difference of uh, age. So back then, I was uh, I was a go getter, mm -hmm. super aggressive on success. Um, you couldn't tell me that I wasn't going to be successful. Uh, I would lose sleep for my dreams back then. <laughs> I'm getting sleep now. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just waking up a lot earlier. Right. So back then I would lose sleep. Now yeah. I'm waking up earlier. Oh, okay. Getting you know? more time. Yeah. Reclaiming yeah. your time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, then it's, you know, I was I was survival Sam too. So, you know, raising kids, mm -hmm. building a business. Uh the business wasn't great, yeah, although I was okay. building a clientele. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I was also owning shops. I ended up opening up a chain of shops here in, in two thousand and three. Um once I think I got up to five locations. Mm. One shop was paying for the other. That shop was paying for that one. You know, was, I was just proud to have my name on the building, but it wasn't easy. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and then going home at 10 o'clock at night only to reach the end of the week to realize that I didn't make a whole lot of money after paying all the bills. Mm. You know? The and, entrepreneurial uh, journey. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I like you to share things like that because my audience... Some of them are emerging mm -hmm. or aspiring entrepreneurs. And I want people to understand those, that group especially, that is it's not for the faint of heart. Mm. Entrepreneurship it's is insanity. It's absolutely insanity. <laughs> yes. And if you if you allow it, it will be your insanity. Yeah. So that's why I think, you know, the platform and, and just breathe, um, I think that's why I was born because I was doing a whole different format of a podcast prior to the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And then it just came, I was just like, everybody is it's so much anxiety. Ah, everybody is on something, mm -hmm. on an Adderall mm -hmm. or on a, you know, popping some kind of sleep aid or whatever, because everybody's like in a, they're balled up. They're not really breathing. They're not really like uh, allowing themselves to to have the life 
that they so richly deserve because a lot of people think it's not attainable or they think that, you know, they have unrealistic delusion um, to me sometimes of like, oh, um, if I start this business, everything's going to be great. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. not the case. That's why I like to really like deep dive into the personal journeys of the guests because people need to see themselves yeah. in your story, you know? Yeah. Um, yes, you're successful, but- at yeah, the it loss was a of cost. A, yeah, the, it was a the cost. cost. Yeah, yeah. And and you know that's why I say it hasn't been peaches and cream. You know, right. um, it's easy to buy chairs. It's easy to rent a building. It's easy to buy furniture. Right. It's easy yeah. to get a sign on the building. You can you can package it all up. Right. But then after you've done all of that, then it's mm -hmm. like, okay, how is this going to work? How am how am I going to make some money? Right. Is it going to be enough money? Right. You enough know? money. <laughs> is it going to be enough money? <laughs> Am I just breaking? And you know, that's the tough part. Cause when you're younger, yeah. uh, April, you know, all you have is vision. Right. Right. You don't mm -hmm. really, it's, it's like vision. And then you couple that with hope. Mm -hmm. So I can see it clearly, I but I hope it's going to survive or I hope it's going to be successful. I hope it's going to be a winning, right. uh, a dream. You know, it's, 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 there's no absolute, mm -hmm. uh, all we have is vision. Right. And, but then mm -hmm. as you, fell a few times and yeah. as you and mind you falling forward as you fall forward a few times you start figuring it out it's like wait a minute let me put this on paper mm -hmm. let me map this out for real yeah yeah i see it but now i need to be a critic exactly now i need to be tougher than the bank now exactly. i need to be tougher than the investor mm -hmm. right if i can sell myself on it mm -hmm. if i'm the toughest critic okay now the timing is right mm -hmm. okay now it's practical it's realistic okay now i can win with this Mm -hmm. But I have to see it on paper first now. Yeah. So, like, the vision is not good enough. Mm -mm. I can see it clearly. I can even draw it out uh, to a point that I even submit it for renderings and get the renderings. Oh, wow. You know, but it's it's not enough, mm -hmm. right? And so, like, right now I have renderings for uh, new visions. But have I moved forward on them? No. They don't make sense, you know? And mm -hmm. so after I've painted the picture. Yeah. You know, now it's like making it make sense on paper with the financials and projections. And when it's all said and done, it's like, nah, it's not worth it. Mm -mm. It's not worth it. And based upon what I've experienced in the past, it's just not good enough uh, to get enough money to buy furniture. It's not good enough to get enough money to lease a building, right? So true. Um, and then it's not even good enough to have capital anymore. You can have all the capital in, in the, the world, world. With, no, with no system in place. Right. With no plan. No system, will, no plan. Yeah, it'll be depleted. Exactly. <laughs> you be back to school. Yeah, I tell them all the time. I was like, if you don't have a plan, plan mm -hmm. to fail. That's yeah. your plan. You yeah. plan to fail. You mm -hmm. have to have somewhat of a plan. And that's so good that you had the foresight to do that. Cause not everybody does. Yeah. Um, because the thing is a lot of these, a lot of people right now are just hanging up the shingles. Mm -hmm. They're not really having any advanced studies. They're not really taking like courses. And sometimes you can't afford to bring on those other people. So how have you been able to make it happen? You know, keep yourself on the the, the trends in business um, maintain for all this time. You mm -hmm. know, a lot of people have had to pivot and do something else. Right. And, you right. know, and that's not to shoot anybody down for driving Uber or DoorDash or whatever, but life has been lifing on people. So a lot of doors have closed. How have you maintained? Like, how have you, and, and continue to grow? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's the you sauce? Know, What's the secret sauce? I don't know if it's a secret. I think, I think purpose gets in the way of all of it, right? Absolutely. Um, there are people that work just as hard as I do. Mm -hmm. They put in the same amount of sacrifice. Right. Uh, they even package themselves up well, uh, but they still aren't successful. 
right? And we all look at different entities, right? There, mm-hmm. There's only one Michael Jordan. Right. There's only one Magic Johnson, yeah. right? There's only one Kobe Bryant. Um, but they all put in that same work. Yeah. They all have that same physique, man. They're all strong. They're all physical. They're all athletic. Mm-hmm. And even in my field, I was just teaching yesterday on the stage with a guy from London who's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another gentleman who's extremely successful here. I mean, matter of fact, the guy that I was, the guy that hosted it, this dude is doing, you know, roughly $4 million a year in, uh, in sales, yeah. you know, doing the same thing that I do every day. Right. And I have to, I have to ask myself, what is it that he's doing that I'm not doing? Right. Yeah. But then there are th- so many people out there that are asking themselves, what is it that Sam's, Sam's doing, doing? <laughs> that I'm not doing? Yeah. Right. And so there's levels to everything, but Absolutely. purpose, uh, in my opinion, gets in the way of all of it. Right. So mm-hmm. have I been sustaining? Have I been growing? Yes. Mm-hmm. But I'm driven. I'm driven, man. Like I can't get away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and even now, even with even with pivoting. Right. Right. My pivot has limits. Um, because one one of the easiest things that you can do is start over. Right. One of the easiest things that you can do is switch it up. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean it's gonna make sense. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that it's the right timing. Right. Sometimes our pivot is an excuse Absolutely. to stop something else. Exactly. Right. And so I've learned even in that aspect, man, mm-hmm. sometimes I'm supposed to stay the course because mm-hmm. I'm so quick to pivot. And that's been some of my handicaps in the past. Like oh, not is it? seeing it through. So then you're over it and you move on to something else? In I, the pet, so in the pet. do you know who LeVan Hawkins is? Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. So years ago, he talked about uh, the levels of entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. how you have to discover who you are as an entrepreneur. Some people are builders. They're going to build it. Right. They're going to establish it. But once it's established, it's over. Like they're, they're on to the next. Um, that person right there, if they sustain that business, they're going to fail. Right. If they sell it, they're winning. Then you have those that aren't builders. They're not establishers, mm-hmm. but they're great managers. Right? right. Those aren't entrepreneurs. These are people that just know how to manage a great business. Oh, say that again. OK. They're not you can manage a great business yeah. does not mean mm-hmm. that you are an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. No, you're just a great business owner. Exactly. Right. And so these people are looking for an acquisition. They're looking to buy. Mm-hmm. They want to buy something that's already established. Uh-huh. And then those people can take it to the next level. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you have those that are out here that are like Warren Buffett. Mm-hmm. Uh, those businesses have to be 99.9% successful. And he's not buying it to run it. He's buying it to turn around and sell it again. Mm-hmm. Acquisition game. Right. Right. And so, you know, me, I'm kind of like the first guy. Once I've built it, mm-hmm. I've lost a high. Mm-hmm. And so my strength now is in building, establishing and selling. Okay. Right. So it's not about necessarily like, let me just build this legacy. Mm-hmm. Let me have this long term, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever. Because some people think, especially. Um, well, what is legacy? Right. Right. So exactly. So legacy is in, in my opinion, mm-hmm. is in things growing. Growing. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And constantly growing. Yeah. So just because I I am successful with with what I've built right yeah. here, that can't be the only entity that's growing. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So right now I've built a book of business that I think is very, like, in my opinion, is desirable for most people in my industry. However, I can't pass that book of business down to my kids. 